You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Unveiled, Part 9 of 9. Enjoy. If it's your first time at Highway Church, we want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. You've come into a place that's a, a free place. Um, we have a, a vision here. It's, it's to see people experience God. It's that simple. And we want to welcome you, and we want to uh, encourage you to take off your religious goggles if you, if you have them on, to remove your religious earbuds if you have them in, and to give your full attention to Jesus. And let Jesus minister life to you. He's been doing that since we started, and he's still doing that. You know, sometimes it, it takes a little while to, for what God has done for us to penetrate, because our thinking needs to change and that's okay you know it's worth it it's worth taking the time to change our thinking so that all that he's done for us becomes a reality in our lives and that's what we're doing here and I'm I'm so excited have you ever felt discouraged anyone feel ever felt discouraged in their life right well sometimes that's just some the way we feel and it's but sometimes Satan is trying to discourage you and uh, he has a scheme, because if he can take away your courage, he can start messing with you. If he can get you in a place where you're worried and afraid, then he can, he can do some things to you, because your guard is down. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. I'm your Savior. I'm your strength. I'm your shield. I'm your provision. So it's when we take our eyes off of him that fear can come in. And we begin to look at our circumstances and we say, well, you know, I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how I'm going to have enough to do the things I need to do. I don't see how my circumstances can change in this amount of time in order for this to happen. And when you begin looking at your circumstances and dwelling on them, it, it, fear can set in. Worry can start creeping in. And if you'll entertain those circumstances and, and those thoughts, you'll, as time goes on, you'll get to a point where you can't even trust the Lord. Where he's speaking to you and it's very hard to grab a hold of his love for you because you've been entertaining fears for so long. The best time to stop a fear is at the front door. Do you guys know who Smith Wigglesworth is? If you haven't read any Smith Wigglesworth, you should. Smith Wigglesworth. Now how about that for a last name? Wigglesworth. It's worth the wiggle. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Get your Wigglesworth. But I love that guy. I've never met him. He was a, a British evangelist uh, in the early uh, 1900s. And uh, there's a book that I have of his, one of, one of them that I have is called Ever Increasing Faith. And it's little sermonettes that he gave, little messages but I think it was he that said this, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. He said, if, I, if my peace is disturbed on any line, I know right away it's the devil. You see, Satan doesn't want you to know he's real. 
He wants you to think that it's kind of silly to, to act like he's real and to talk about him and to, you know, um, to say that Satan's behind that. And, but Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about him. Jesus called him out and rebuked him regularly. Amen. You see, Satan is the one who tries to steal your peace from you. The moment something knocks on your door that even has a, a tinge of fear to it, you cut, you cut its head off with the Word of God. It's not for you. Not even a trace of fear. A little thought like, look where I'm at now. I can't believe after all this, here I am. That's, that's where you stop it right there. Little thought like that. You stop it right there. Say, thank you, Father, you're accomplishing the things that concern me. You've gone before me. You're working all things out for my good. I'm prospering in you. I'm moving forward in you. Your will, abundant life, is done in my life just as it is in heaven. What am I doing? I'm stopping that fear from going any further. The moment you have a thought about what so-and-so did to you and how mad and, and getting back at them and what you should do, you stop it. Don't allow anyone's offense to take any place in your thought life. The moment you become offended, you stop it. The moment. Don't let it stir for five minutes. Now, I'm not saying that what they did was right or wrong. It may have been very wrong. And you may be right in saying they shouldn't have done that. But the reality is your well-being does not depend on how other people treat you. Unless you believe that. Listen, if everyone's got to treat you right for you to be happy, woo-wee, you don't have a chance. I'm just telling you right now. You don't have a chance. Because it just ain't going to happen on this earth. We're living in a fallen world, and sooner or later someone's going to do something to you they should not have done. But you've got a purpose to keep your mind stayed on the reality that your well-being depends on Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for me, and not what others have done to me. So we want to stop fear, offense, worry, anxiety immediately. Immediately. And if you'll practice that, you'll notice your spirit will grow stronger. You'll notice that your soul won't be able to play with you anymore. Your mind, your will, your emotions won't throw pity parties anymore. There's nothing worse than being in a private pity party. You're the only one there and you agree with yourself about everything. And it's terrible. You give yourself another tissue. You tell yourself that, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. And man, how terrible things are. But the Holy Spirit is saying, why are you looking at yourself instead of me? Why are you basing your joy off of what you think you've done or what you think you can do instead of what I've done and what I can do? So good. So good. So good. 
we live differently. We're people that, that are anchored in heaven. We're born of the seed of God, His Word. It cannot be corrupted by this world. It cannot rust. It can't be tainted. It's a perfect, incorruptible seed. The Word of God is pure and incorruptible. And when you put your faith in Christ, you were reborn of that incorruptible seed. Your foundation can't be taken away. Your source of strength can't be removed from you. This covenant, which was ratified in the blood of Jesus Christ, this covenant of wholeness and prosperity, Isaiah calls it, covenant of shalom in Isaiah 54, cannot be removed from you. Your joy doesn't depend on the current balance in your accounts. So we don't go out and look for work because of the balance in our accounts. When we're balancing our books, we worship God and say, Thank you, Lord. You are our provision. It's a supernatural way to live. We're going to finish up our series, Unveiled, today. And as I was spending time with the Lord, I feel what He wanted me to impress on you is this way of living where we see things that can't be seen in any other way. So you're looking at the balance in your checking account, your savings account, and it's way below what you need. It's an opportunity for all kinds of reactions to that, all kinds of thoughts about that. But we live differently because we realize that those couple fish and those loaves that we're looking at can be multiplied thousands of times through faith in Christ. Jesus encountered lack various times in his ministry. Do you remember when the people he had been ministering to him, they'd been there three days, and he said to his disciples, let's feed them. And you know, they're out in the middle of Massachusetts. There's no big Y's around. There's no Chick-fil-A's. And he said, how are we going to feed these people? <laughs> and John records that there was a little boy that had a few fish and some bread. might have been Emerald's bread. I don't know. Now that, that, in other words, they didn't, have, they didn't have anything but this, a little tiny amount. And if you do the math, there were maybe 10, 15,000 people there. Two fish and a few loaves. That's a sad scenario, isn't it? Naturally speaking. So you got people who've been out in the, in, you know, out in the, fields away from town for three days and basically have no food. They have a little bit. That might be enough to feed that little boy and maybe Peter if he's, you know, not too greedy. But Jesus doesn't bat an eye. Why? Because he's not looking at the fish. He's not looking at the amount they currently have. 
He's looking at his Father's resources. And I love what Jesus does. He doesn't say, oh, I didn't realize. This is all we've got? You've got to be kidding me. What have you guys been doing? You know, why didn't you go to BJ's before we left? <laughs> this is all we've got? He, he doesn't do that. He begins to worship God and thank Him. It says He gave thanks. How can I give thanks when what I'm looking at is not enough? Because I'm, I'm not depending on what I'm looking at. I'm not depending on the natural supply. I'm living by a supernatural supply. I'm living by what my father's provided for me through the sacrifice of his son. It changes everything. And what ended up happening in that scenario? Every single person had more than enough to eat. The little bit they had was supernaturally multiplied. They had baskets and baskets left over. God wants to do that in your life. But you've got to look at Him. Philippians 4, 19, I think it is, says, My God shall supply all, all your need according to His riches. doesn't even say out of. Like he's going to take a little bit out of it. It says according to. In other words, all that he has belongs to you. According to all that he has, he's going to meet your needs. So I want to encourage you, if you've been looking at your fish and your loaves, begin to thank and worship him. And watch him multiply it. Supernaturally. Without you breaking any sweat on your brow. So I believe the Lord wanted me to emphasize this unseen reality of his kingdom today because it's been unveiled. Jesus unveiled these unseen realities and they seemed foolish to people around him. They didn't understand where he was getting this confidence, how a man could see thousands of people in front of him, two little goldfish and a few loaves of bread and begin to worship God that every one of these people would have a delicious meal and be satisfied that doesn't make any natural sense because it's supernatural it's above what we can see or feel i want to encourage you last week last two sundays we've been talking about the baptism of the holy spirit and sometimes obviously satan doesn't want us to receive the kingdom of god and all that god's provided for us so i want to encourage you if you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit last week or the week before, continue to pray in the Spirit. Could you put Ephesians 6.18 up there? It says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. I'm bringing that up because I, I, I think oftentimes um, we pray with our understanding too much. We try it and pray according to what we can figure out, what we can piece together. But isn't this interesting? Pray in the Spirit on every occasion. And the more I pray in the Spirit, the more I realize how powerful it is. So if you've been praying in the Spirit, keep doing it. Make it a regular part of your day. If you, if you haven't uh, 
begun speaking in tongues, if you asked God to baptize in your Holy Spirit, believe you've received it. Don't wait for it. You've got it. You've got it. If you've asked him for it, it's yours. Just open up your mouth and let your spirit pray. All right? I, I really feel the Lord wanted me to emphasize uh, in the last few weeks the importance of praying in the spirit. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit anywhere at any time. If you've asked him for it, just believe you've received it. That's how it works. We don't wait for, for it to happen before we believe it. When we ask, we believe we have it. Okay? He's a good father. You ask, he gives it. Okay? So Jesus opened this unseen realm to us. This, this realm of plenty. This realm of heaven's provision. And I'm so glad he did. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 2. Can I just tell you what some spirits of darkness were whispering to me the last 48 hours? Just, it's just kind of funny. I want to encourage you. He'll try and discourage you. You know, and it's so silly. But I just want to, so he was, he was telling me, basically, you're not going to have anything to say on Sunday. <laughs> Nothing worth listening to. I mean, I had a different kind of week, you know, and uh, dealing with different kind of things, just, just personally. Uh, and uh, the week didn't go the way I planned it would go, even up to the moment before service. But I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is so much greater than any dark thought you could ever have. And he's speaking right now. Boy, I'm so thankful for him. In fact, he told his uh, disciples, don't worry about it if they bring you into court about what you're going to say. And don't, don't even plan for a response. At that moment, I'll give you. The very words you need. Amen. Amen. And I'm watching the Lord do that in my life each week, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Amen. So Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 2 in the Passion Translation. We've read this verse last week, and the week before we're going to read it again because it's so important. Jesus calls a little child to his side. Don't you love kids? You can see the kingdom of God in kids. That's why we're drawn to them. There's no pretense with them. If they want to grab your necklace, they'll grab your necklace, right? Or pull on your hair. They'll pull out your wallet. They just, I love it. They don't care. It's just shiny and they want it, right? Reach out and take what God has for you. Have you ever held a little one and they start, you know, pulling on something that you have and it, it puts a smile on my face. God wants you to grab what he's given you. He loves it. He smiles when you grab healing, when you grab riches and provision, when you grab what he's done for you. It, it pleases him, just like a, a father holding a child. He loves that. So he said, learn this well, as he's holding this child. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking 
and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm. This is where all your provision is. It's not in how many hours you work. It's not in who you're working with. Your provision is in heaven's kingdom realm. Now God has workers and provision for you in his realm, from his realm. Heaven's kingdom realm. With the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. What is he talking about here? Is he talking about going to heaven? Nope. What's he talking about entering into heaven's kingdom realm? Well, religion will teach that's that's about going to heaven someday. But it's not. He's talking about you experiencing God now. Today. Experiencing God's provision today. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking. Do you see yourself as a child in your father's heavenly father's arms? That's good to do sometimes. Imagine yourself just like you've held a child. Imagine yourself sitting on your heavenly father's lap, grabbing his wallet, pulling out all his pictures and stuff, grabbing the chain he has or whatever, and see him smiling at you, knowing that all he has is yours. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking, you will not be able to enter in or experience the heavens, heaven's kingdom realm. Verse 4 says, whoever continually experiences, excuse me, whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. Wow. The characteristic that's being highlighted to me right now about a little child, a little child has no question about what belongs to it. Everything. Isn't it true? I loved last night we were celebrating Zahara just watching little kids running around. This little kid came around and was grabbing stuff off the table. Ooh, it's shiny. I want it. I just smiled. <laughs> he didn't ask anybody. You know, I love that. Little kid, something that's shiny, it's, uh, that's mine. Become like a child with God. Religion teaches you the opposite. To be afraid to come to God. Right? For fear that he might deny you. Or highlight your mistakes and your faults. That's the opposite of what Jesus teaches us. Just be like a child with him. Do you want it? Grab it. It's your father's pleasure. I love when my, even now, my kids are big, big now, but when I, it was, it's so fun when they were little and they didn't, couldn't say a whole lot. They just grab whatever I have. I love that. It just made me chuckle. There was never a thought like, you didn't pay for that. <laughs> never a thought. Still today, never a thought. They're older, they're bigger. But everything that I have is never a thought. It belongs to them. Become like a child with your heavenly father. Unless you become like this, you won't experience his provision in your life. It's such a freeing thing. There wasn't one child I saw last night, and there were a a number of little ones there that had any cares. 
They're running around the dance floor just jumping up and down, run over the table, take a bite of cake. They don't care. They're just having fun. Become like a child. This is how we do with our father. We're little children with him. No hesitation. All that he has is ours. We just grab it, reach up and grab it. We don't even have to say thank you. When our children were little, they never said thank you. They couldn't talk. You know, they just mumble. You know, grab it. We taught them to say thank you because we're living in a world and manners are good and you want to show respect to other people. But you know, God doesn't give to you if you say thank you. He gave to you before you could even talk. We thank him because we love him. And we're grateful for this father who's so generous and gives without finding fault. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to move too fast because the Holy Spirit's ministering to us, isn't he? Become like a little child. That's the last thing I would have thought I should become like based on my religious experience growing up. Become like a little child? I mean, God wants me to be perfect, doesn't he? God wants me to say everything right, do everything right. I've never met a child that had that on their mind when they came running to me. If they knew me, happy to see me, they just wanted to come and, and give me a hug and wondered if I had any cookies. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? No condemnation. Religion teaches you condemnation. Religion keeps you from running to your father. The devil teaches condemnation. Become like a child. Jesus unveiled this position and relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. That we're like a, a three-year-old on our daddy's lap. Not a care in the world. Everything daddy has belongs to me. And no matter how old you get in numbers, that position is still yours. It's humbling to think of yourself in that way, right? But that's the reality. He's our father. We're little kids with him. No matter how sophisticated or how much we've accomplished, we're really just little kids on our father's lap. And everything he has belongs to us. So Jesus lived with this conscious, consciousness that his father had given him everything. And as a result, they couldn't stop this guy. They couldn't make him afraid. Every threat that came his way bounced off him. There was a time when Herod threatened him, and he said, you go tell that fox that I'm going to fulfill my father's plan, that I'm going to go all the way. You go tell him. You... Satan can't make you afraid if you'll become like a child with your heavenly father. I've never said that in my life before. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is encouraging you. 
Satan can't make you afraid if you'll become like a child with your heavenly father. If you'll humble yourself and become like a little child and just sit in your heavenly father's lap and grab a hold of what he's provided for you. Don't little children do that? It's like when dad is there, fear goes, right? So Jesus saw things that other people couldn't see. In fact, he went into Peter's uh, home, I think it was Peter's home, and Peter's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever. Remember, Jesus knows his father's provider. He, he, has, he sees beyond the natural. He sees beyond, he sees, the others see a, a woman lying in bed with a serious fever that can't get out of bed. And they're concerned about that. Jesus sees something differently. He sees a thief that's trying to attach itself to a woman. And he goes, and Luke says, he rebukes the fever. There are people who must have thought, what a nut. He didn't give it a natural diagnosis and say, well, this is probably the body's reaction to an infection and we're going to let this thing take its course. He rebuked the fever. Have you read that? That's our Jesus. He's teaching us how to live. Do you rebuke fevers or let them take their course? I rebuke them. I don't allow a fever in my life. He saw beyond what everyone else saw. He knew that that fever was a thief. It had no right in her life. And he came against the thief and rebuked the fever. He unveiled this unseen realm, heaven's kingdom realm, where we rebuke sickness instead of analyzing it. Are you ready to go here? There was another time he was in the temple and it was on the Sabbath day. And boy, the religious leaders coveted that Sabbath day. It gave them an opportunity to write more rules about what you couldn't do on that Sabbath day. Things that God never said. They added so many rules to what God had said. But here's Jesus and he sees a woman bent over. And he knew by the Spirit of God that she had been bent over for 18 years. He didn't analyze it and say, is this osteoporosis? Is this some type of degenerative bone disease? Do you know what he said as Luke records it? Because the religious leaders didn't care about the woman. They're upset that Jesus was about to heal this woman on the Sabbath. And he said, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be loosed, set free, whom Satan hath bound for 18 years? What a different way of looking at it. He didn't say anything about calcium deficiencies, changing her diet. 
He saw sickness as a result of the curse of sin and something that Satan uses to bind people. We should see it the same. He looks at this woman, uh, my, my grandmother, who's in heaven now, I believe, she dealt with this. I didn't know this when I was growing up. I didn't know what Jesus taught. But she, as she got older, she just, you know, she, she basically, my earliest memories of her were walking like this. You know? And she was a hard worker. Worked full, full time in, in a kitchen, in a, in a youth prison. Tough lady. I wish I'd have known this then. And I saw my family, they, you know, going to, trying to get every diagnosis they could get and physician after physician and thank God for physicians. But there's a greater reality. Satan was working in her life and no one knew it. No one had the insight that Jesus had to take, to rebuke that bondage and kick it out of her life. Man, go with Jesus. Fill your mind and heart with Jesus. I mean, the world is trying to train you to diagnose yourself and to give full credence and attention to every symptom in your body and then to buy the medications they've created and ask your doctor if it's right for you. I don't see Jesus doing that. Why? He, he saw to the source of the issue. We doing okay. Look what Hebrews 11, 1 said. Listen, I don't want to live the way the world lives. I had enough of that. Man, I had my share of that. I'm done. I want God's kingdom active in my life. I want heaven's kingdom realm manifest in my body and everywhere I go. Yes. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is amazing. So this unseen realm, heaven's kingdom realm, Jesus revealed it to us, and you respond to situations differently. Whether it's lack of provision and you've got to feed a bunch of people, or whether it's a fever, or whether it's some type of condition where someone's been in for 18 years, you see it differently. You respond to it differently. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. So it's talking about faith in what? Faith in the Word of God, right? Faith in God. When we believe what Jesus taught us in spite of our circumstances, it opens our eyes to see things we couldn't see. Go back to verse 1 again. Verse 1 again. It's the substance of things, the evidence of things not seen. Your answer, you can't see the answer to your problems with your eyes, your natural eyes. The answer to the issues of your life is in heaven's realm. It's in the kingdom realm. It's in God's kingdom. It's, right, it's inside of you, actually, right? Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, the answer you need will, will manifest when you believe what God has said. That's right. That's right. Not when you see what you need. 
So what we do is we learn what God has said about our situation and we fill our minds and hearts with that and that's all we say and think about. That's it. That's all we say and think about. Now verse 3, it says, through faith we understand. I mean, some of the things Jesus did would look so foolish and silly if we didn't understand by faith. Can you imagine, I mean, the, the cultural... Silliness. Here's here's the guy's mother-in-law suffering in bed. And, you know, everyone's concerned about it. He walks over and rebukes the fever. That's weird. Right? I mean, it might have been loud. And everyone else is kind of like, you know, be quiet. We don't want her to get, you know, she needs a rest. And he walks over, get out of her body. In Jesus' name. Oh, he didn't say that. In Jesus' name. Get out of her body. You know, oh, I don't want to go there. You know, when you speak, if you're a Christian, it's in Jesus' name. You don't have to literally say in Jesus' name every time. When you speak, you're speaking in his name. When he, when he said in Jesus, when he's teaching you to pray in Jesus' name, it means in my authority. Right? According to my reality. Not that you have to literally grammatically say I-N space J-E-S-U-S space N-A-M-E. Just say it in his name. So through faith we understand these things. Isn't that good? When we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, we understand things we couldn't understand in any other way. We see things we couldn't see in any other way. Wow, we experience things we couldn't experience in any other way. We understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So what is matter made of? The Word of God. Wow. We understand that by faith. That matter came into existence because God spoke. Listen, when you know how something's made, you can fix it. Right? If you have the parts. Any part you need to fix your problem can be created with words. When Jesus said, He who says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea but does not doubt in his heart, believes that what he says will happen, he'll have whatever he says. What is it he was talking? He just spoke to a fig tree, right? And it, it, it withered and died. And his disciples were amazed at that, and he said, you can speak to a mountain. Why can we speak to physical circumstances and they change? Because mountains are made of words. Trees are made of words. This sounds silly if you don't understand the Scriptures. In the beginning, that's time. God created time. In the beginning, God created the heavens. That's space, right? And the earth, matter. God created time, space, and matter. And his word can change it. Jesus taught us that in his ministry. It will look foolish. It will sound silly if you don't understand these things. But we, we are... Uh, looking to Jesus and doing what he did, right? 
We're functioning in this heaven kingdom realm. So we understand things that other people just don't understand because we're letting Jesus teach us, right? We're learning from the master. He speaks to a tree and it dies. He teaches us to do the same thing. What's he teaching us? To take authority over our physical surroundings with the word of God. Just listening. So Jesus understood what we were made of and what the world around us is made of. So he wasn't afraid because he knew that his father was the creator of it all. Now, he also knew this. He knew that he was in a fallen world, that his father didn't create sickness. His father didn't create poverty. His father was not behind uh, all of the dark things that he dealt with in his ministry. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.